Buenos dias, Huntington Beach. I know I'm going to preach in Spanish. Don't worry. Um, I actually have, um, thank you, Caleb. Thank you for inviting me to come here. You know, this week I, I had a conversation with Caleb in preparation for today. And as I was speaking with him, something became absolutely clear. And that is that he loves you. He really does. And he kept telling me about you and all the things that you're doing here at the church. And, and as he talked, I just kept hearing just his heart for this church. And, and one of the things that I felt very clearly was that he wants you to know how much God loves you and how much God's grace is here for all of us. And, and that's his whole goal. That's all he cares about. And it was just so precious. And I feel so welcomed and so honored and humbled to be here this morning. So thank you. I know you had all the choices. And uh, he chose me. So there we go. We're just going to go with it. You know, I, I teach at Mariner's Church in Irvine uh, at the chapel there a couple of times a month, and uh, so teaching is, is comfortable for me, but, you know, today we're going to do something a little different, and that's not so comfortable because I'm going to tell you my story. We're going to look at Scripture, I'm going to tell you my story, and then towards the end of it, I'm going to invite you to look at your own story and kind of consider what God has to say to you this morning. And we're going to continue on the Sermon on the Mount. We're, going to get you, we're not going to get you off track, so if you have your Bible, uh, go, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7 uh, as we continue on the sermon. We're only going to study a couple, of chapter, a couple of verses today, but they have so much to teach us, and especially in the context of our story. So let us go there, if we could, to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. I'm going to read it, and then I, I hope that you'll join me to read it the second time, because it's just so powerful, I and mean, we must read it more than once. So I'm going to read it first. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Let us read that again together. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You know, we're on the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus had already become quite popular. We're told in chapter 4 of Matthew that by this time, Jesus had his disciples, but all kinds of people had heard of the miracles he was doing, and so many people followed him, not just the disciples, but Pharisees, religious leaders, and a huge crowd. And we're told that Jesus, having compassion from the crowd and seeing how large it was, he went up on the mountain, he sat down, and he began to teach. And we have been studying the Sermon on the Mount over the last few weeks, and today we reach this point where Jesus brings us the bottom line. He kind of brings it home. This is his conclusion. And in this conclusion, he calls us to make a decision. And you know, on first, you know, when, when you first read this, you might think, wow, that seems a bit like narrow. You know, Jesus isn't giving us a whole lot of choices here. And you know, one thing I know is that Jesus wasn't out there to, to teach so that he would be liked. You know, his whole purpose was to bring life transformation, to share the love of God, to bring upon grace, to bring life to us, life to the fullest. And today's passage is no different. He only offers us two options. Two. That's all. Two. How many of us like that, right? 
None of us like just a few options. I mean, we like lots of options, don't we? I mean, if there was a, a doctor, Dr. Schwartz, a psychologist, who did a study about how we feel about choices, having many choices. And he went to his supermarket, and he did a little bit of a study of what's in the supermarket. This is what he found. 175 salad dressings, not counting the olive oil and the vinegars, you know, you can make your own kind of thing. 275 cereals, out of which there were 13 types of Cheerios. 285 varieties of cookies, which I think is a good thing. 40 toothpaste, 75 iced teas, 230 types of soup. And, you know, there were eggs, you know, brown and white, medium, large, extra large, jumbo, cage-free, free-range with omega-3, all-natural, pasteurized, vegetarian, and organic. We love choices. We love lots of choices. And, you know, and if all those choices give you a bit of a headache, no problem, we got pain medicine. All right, you must choose between Advil and Tylenol and Excedrin and tablets or caplets or gels, but that's okay. We love choices, and none of us like to be told what to do, right? We don't like to be given just a few choices, and certainly anyone that tells us what to do, that just changes the game. And so Jesus here, he's deliberately using a word none of us really like. He's putting us in this position kind of like, well, we have to make a choice, and he only gives us two choices. Let us look at those choices just one more time. He says, for wide is the gate and broad is the road. He gives us two gates, two gates. One is wide, easy to pass through, room for all of your stuff. Bring it on. You know, I just moved a couple weeks ago. I have a lot of stuff. God, bring it on. Wide road, easy. Many people can fit through it. You can waver, not a big deal. You can enter through that gate. He tells us about a small gate, so small that only one person can enter at a time, so small that we have to leave stuff behind. We have to shed some things. We have to leave some things. And then he gives us two roads, a broad road. The word in Greek represents spacious, a broad way, lots of room to go in one direction or the other. Or he gives us the narrow way. This narrow road, again, in the Hebrew, in the Greek word, flevo, it says, means pressed together, compressed, like the way you would compress grapes to make wine. Maybe difficult, marked with struggle, affliction, a little bit of distress. I mean, you must remain straight because going one way or the other creates a problem. And then he gives us two destinations. One leads to destruction, death. The other leads to life. And lastly, he says, these two gates, these two roads have a different popularity. The wide gate, the wide road is extremely popular. It's easy to go, so guess what? Everybody goes. But the small gate and the narrow way, well, not so popular. Fewer will find it. And you know, I, there's so much to teach here. And you know, when, once you go to seminary, you just like want to teach. And I, I would still want to do that, but truly, just like when we go to the supermarket and we're trying to decide which one of the 275 salad dressings we're going to buy, what we really look for is the word of mouth, right? We'll ask a friend or somebody, hey, which is your favorite salad dressing? We want to know someone's experience with something for us to make a wise choice. And so therefore, I'm not going to teach you today, I'm going to tell you my story. I'm going to tell you my own testimony of walking on that wide road 
and walking on the narrow road. And let you decide for yourself. My name is Ines Socorro Rivera Padilla Salas Morales. <laughs> Actually, that was the name I was given when I was born. Now I'm, I'm De Franklin. You know, that name was given to me by my grandmother. She called me Ines. Ines is a word that comes from the Greek word Agnes, the Greek name Agnes, which means purity, cleanliness. And then she gave me the middle name Socorro, which means help. It's another name for the Virgin Mary. So Ines, pure, Socorro, help, pure help. Her heart, her desire for me as a baby was that I would grow up one day to be a woman who followed and served the Lord. And that was a bit of a problem because my mother never took us to church. So she decided, took it upon herself to take us to church every Sunday, and she signed me up for catechism. And so I went to the first catechism class, and the nun was teaching it, and she starts us off by telling us that God created everything, everything to see the trees and the birds and, you know, the mountains and all these beautiful things, and, but there was nothing before God created it. And right away, you know, seven-year-olds can just think of the craziest things. And I thought, if God created everything, and there was nothing before he created it, where was he standing? I know, that was how my seven-year-old mind thought. And I asked, and the nun, she said to me, you know, you have no faith. She kind of was a little upset at me, and she says, what you're demonstrating is that you don't trust God, and you need to pray and ask God for forgiveness for your lack of faith. So she sent me to the back of the church, and in, you know, this is in Puerto Rico, and we had this very old kind of chapel. I'm in the back, and I'm praying our fathers and Hail Marys and asking God for forgiveness for asking a question. The next time she tells us about heaven, how heaven was this beautiful place where there was no pain, no sorrow, no violence, no rejection, no father who leaves you before you even know his name, and that we would all go to it one day. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that sounds pretty good. Why are we all here? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm just going to, I'm leaving. You guys, fine, fine. I'm going to take it on my pond. I'm going. And so I, I wasn't going to ask the question, of course. You know, that would just get me in trouble again. So I just went home determined to go to heaven that day. Now listen, I was not suicidal. It just made more sense. <laughs> and so I get home. Any Puerto Ricans in the house? There's a Puerto Rican, Boricua! <laughs> Woohoo! Nice! Last service, there was none. Everyone was like, Who's, what, what's a Puerto Rican? <laughs> okay, so he knows. You can ask him. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. In Puerto Rico, the houses are very colorful pink and blue and yellow and, and purple, and you know, the trim is one color, the house is another. And they're made up of concrete, and the roofs are flat. And so I climbed to the roof. I went home, climbed to the roof of our house, and I went to one corner. And I decided to jump off this corner, you know, to go to heaven. And I looked down, and it was a pretty deep ravine. And I thought, if I fall here, I might hurt my body, and I might need it for heaven, so I won't do that. So I, I went to the other corner, and it was, oh, it was real nice and flat. Okay, this one will work. I break something. God can fix it. And so I, I get to the edge of, the, of my roof, and I stick out my little tippy toes, and I had a hole in my foot so I could feel the, the warm, humid, hot air of Puerto Rico. And I raise my arms. God, here I come. And just as I was about to leap, I hear this loud Spanish with a Puerto Rican accent 
Bajate. That means get down. It was audible. So I immediately thought one of my brothers, I had three brothers and three sisters, and one of our neighbors, they saw me, and I knew in our house, if you did what you're not supposed to do, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I ran to the spot that I was going to actually fall, and I started praying and asking, who was this person? Who was it? I mean, I know I'm in trouble. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to get myself out of this situation. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me, wait, was that a male voice or a female voice? Was that a family member or my neighbor? You know, you grow in the little town, you know everybody's voice. And then it hit me. Like a spa second, I realized that was God speaking to me. I, I don't understand it. Listen, I was about seven years old, but I knew that was God speaking to me. And then I heard this. I heard you don't get to choose when you go to heaven. That is my choice and my choice alone. And immediately, as a seven-year-old would, fearless, I started complaining to this God about my life. This is not fair. My father left before I was a year old. I saw violence. I saw rejection. I lived in poverty. I saw tremendous hurt. I'm thinking, why would we stay here? Why do we need to stay here when you have this incredible place where we can all go? And I heard, you must endure. I have a purpose. I will be with you. Silence. You see, that day, God offered me the option to choose the small gate, the narrow road. But you know what I learned? That little kids, they're great recorders of information but they are the worst interpreters. I was so afraid to tell anybody of what I experienced, I kept it to myself. And so I misunderstood who God was. And for me, it, seemed, it made no sense. How could God leave us in this difficult life when he has a better place for us? And then he just tells me, endure, I'm with you. And to me, that made no sense. So you know what I did? I said no to the narrow way, and I chose the wide path, the easy path. By the time I was... 15, 16, something like that. I stopped going to church. By the time I was 18, I was in a relationship. I had moved to California by then, and I got married to a young man. We had a son, my son named Chad. Four years of marriage, he was very abusive, verbally and physically, and I ended up in a divorce. A couple years later, I met another man, and I had two beautiful daughters, Kaylee and Melissa. And after 15 years of marriage, because of some major struggles in our relationship, and he had manic depression, and I didn't know how to deal with that, I left that marriage too. See, I took the wide road. I took the easy way. If things weren't working my way, I moved on. And now I have been divorced twice, and my son, it was so painful for him, and I was clearly oblivious to this, he started using drugs to escape his pain. And in that mess, I had to go back to work, to go, go to work, because now I was a divorcee, twice divorced, with three children. And I went back to work for a man that I used to work for before. His name was Jim. And my friend said to me, my neighbor, she said, oh, Inez, no, no, you do not want to go back to work there. I remember when you used to work for him and how close you guys were, how great you worked together, how you talked about him. And now you're a single woman, and you might end up in a relationship. And I thought, Whoa, okay, I get it. I got a little L on me. I've been divorced twice. My son's using drugs. But I would never do such a thing. I was so offended that she would even think that of me. But you know, she was right. I went back to work with him. We were good friends. 
And we would talk about our struggles. I would tell him what happened in my marriage. He'd tell me how miserable he was in his marriage. We'd go to lunch. We'd go to dinner. And before we knew it, that intimacy led to a relationship. And we ended up having an affair. As you could imagine, it was devastating. Talk about a wide road that led to destruction. It destroyed his wife at the time, of course. It destroyed his two daughters. It destroyed the people at our work. All kinds of stuff started happening in our office. It just brought nothing but destruction. And it was so difficult to live through that time. And I don't, I don't drink that much. My father was an alcoholic, so I was afraid of alcohol. But during that time, I drank to numb the pain, to numb the guilt of my actions. We ultimately decided to get married. And when we, got, when we decided that we bought a house in Newport, and as the house was being built, out of nowhere, Jim says, let us start going to a church. Something's missing in our lives, do you think? <laughs> so we went to Mariner's Church, and this is incredible to me, incredible. We walk into this church after visiting all kinds of churches, and Kenton B. Shore is teaching this message out of John chapter 4 about a woman who had been married five times, was living with a man who was not her husband, and Jesus came to her and offered her grace. Does that not blow your mind? Once again, at 40 years old now, Jesus offered the small gate and the narrow road. And, you know, I wasn't quite so sure at that point still. I really, we decided this is a good church. We're going to stick around. But I am. And so a few months later, the church was doing the chronological Bible. And I had never read the Bible before, so I started. I read Genesis 1, 1. And I've done that a lot of times. Anybody been with me? <laughs> and so... I, you know, I, always fought, I fell behind within like a week. And so one Sunday we skipped church because at that time you don't go to church every Sunday. You know, once in a while it's okay. And so we skipped church. We go for a bike ride, actually right here in Huntington Beach. I, I, I was coming down PCH and a car came too close to me and I got scared and I hit a parked car. My bicycle threw me, did a little somersault kind of thing, and broke my collarbone in a whole bunch of places. So I ended up in bed for about three weeks because it did a real number in my body. Well, sitting there, I had nothing else to do, so I thought, I'll pick up this Bible, and maybe it's a good historical book, and got some good stories in it, and I'll read Genesis, get past Genesis 1-1. And I start reading, and it's chronological. So at one point, I get to where Deuteronomy, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 are like on two pages next to each other. And if, you're, if you know your Bible, this is what I was reading. I was reading the Ten Commandments twice. I had never read the Ten Commandments. I heard of them. But I had never read them, not once, but twice. And as I read them, I recognized I had broken every single one. In my choice of taking the wide, easy road, I had brought a tremendous amount of destruction to my life, to my children's lives, to other people's lives. And I felt so convicted of my sin that I literally crawled off the bed and landed on the floor and just sobbed and sobbed and asked God for his mercy. You know, I had seen how God dealt with his people. He had to discipline them. That's his love, love disciplines. And I knew I deserved punishment. I was on the wide road to destruction 
part of that destruction I created myself. And I needed God's mercy. And you know, and at that point, that day, I shifted and I chose the small gate. It took me some time to finish the Bible and understand Jesus came to die for people just like me so that we would be saved and choose a different way. And I carried shame, guys, for a long time. It's not easy for me to come and like throw my stuff at you. But I do it because I believe that Jesus came to give his grace for each one of us. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. No more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are a new creation. I stand before you. A new amiga, you know? (laughs) A new woman in his creation. And he's taking me in this journey. Oh, yes. It's narrow. I had to change some things. I had to let go of some things in my life. I had to change my ways. I had to leave anger behind and greed and a a critical mindset and a selfish bent. I had to leave all that. And I had to take on, take on the nature of Jesus and begin to love the way that he loves, not the way that I love. I'm telling you, I'm still married today to Jim now almost 12 years, only because the blood of Jesus came into our lives and restored us. And so, we have to remember, see, Jesus gives us two options. Two options. One leads to destruction. One leads to life. And I'm amazed at what, how my life has changed since I made that decision. The fact that I can stand before you, isn't it testament enough? And Jesus says, listen, it's not like you're going to do more. I am not standing here to tell you you got to do more. That somehow you kind of missed something. And it's not legalism. It isn't like more to do. It's about the heart. Changing our heart. Changing from the inside out. He even warned them. After this passage, you see him warning him about false teachers who pretend to be one thing but are another. So this is not about pretending to be anything. But truly giving our hearts to Jesus. In Matthew 7, 21, he says, listen, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those, the one who does the will of the Father. What does it mean? It means for us to seek after God's heart, to love him and love others just like he loves us. And it's the wisest decision we can make. The most intelligent, you know, sometimes people say, to become a Christian, you've got to let go of your brain. Not true. The wisest decision we can make, we're told. Listen, it says in 24, it says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, the rock of Jesus Christ. And if we are missing it at all, in John chapter 10, Jesus tells us, Listen, I am the gate. It's small. Why? Because there's one person. It's Jesus, one way. And I know that's countercultural. And I know that sometimes that rubs people wrong. But this is what Jesus is saying. I am the gate. Those who enter will be saved. They will come and go and find pasture. The thief, the one who lures us towards the wide road, he comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life. Life to the fullest. 
In John chapter 14, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the one that gives us eternal life. Now on Sunday, October 20th, 2002, when I walked into that church and I heard the pastor teach about the woman at the well, her story resonated with mine. I don't know if any part of my story resonates with yours. I pray that something does. I pray that your heart was stirred somewhere in there and you saw yourself in the story. You saw God in the story. You see, today, Jesus again gives us this invitation. Enter through the narrow gate. I am the gate, he says. In Matthew 11, he says these words. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We have two options before us. Our response is to simply to say yes or to say no. And if we don't say yes today, you know what? Jesus waits. He's right there. Until we get to that point, we realize there's something missing in our lives. And if you have already said yes, maybe yesterday, maybe this morning, maybe when you were seven, but somehow you find yourself kind of in the narrow road and you're fighting it and you're pushing one way or the other. You know, if that's you, maybe today his invitation is, come back, come back to the way of discipleship. I will walk with you in this journey of making you more and more like me. And so we're going to take a time of reflection. This is your turn to think about your story. I just threw my story out of you, and it's not easy to tell about your stuff. And I did this public, but I want to invite you to take a moment and have this conversation with God, just you and God, and ask yourself this question, which gate will I choose? Maybe that's where you're at. You're in front of the gate, and that small little gate and you can see the wide gate. And maybe today you need to choose between those two. Maybe you're on the road and you have to find, ask yourself, which road will I walk? Have I gotten off the edges? Have I picked up some stuff? Have I tried to live life the world's way and Jesus' way at once? That doesn't work. Will you choose today to live on the narrow road which leads to life? And so as the band plays a little music, close your eyes if you would. Spend your time with your Heavenly Father that wants nothing more than to give you life. Think about your story and make a choice. <laughs>